0: Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We are so excited that you joined us today. Our lead pastor, Pastor James Lair, is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon.
1: We've been studying different wells that are mentioned throughout the Bible. There's great significance and symbolism in these wells and these stories that we see throughout the Old and New Testament. In fact, in this story today that we're going to study, there's an inclusion of a well, as well, in this story in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Now this takes place before Israel was about to enter the promised land. And Moses gave the people some very specific instructions. And one of those instructions had to do with a water well. So let's look at it, Deuteronomy 6.10. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land, Of slavery. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the power of your word. God, that it speaks to us today, fresh and new, even though it's thousands of years old. God, it's living and active, and it speaks to us right here, right now. And so, Lord, I believe there are people here today that need a word from you. They've come. To this service, Lord, believing that you have something to say. And I pray by the power of your Spirit, you would impress something upon their hearts. You would minister encouragement to those who are discouraged, Lord, to build those up that feel torn down. God, let this be a day where there are people that are set free, God, from fear, from discouragement, from anxiety. Lord, we've come into the house of God. Your presence is here. Your spirit has been moving in our worship time. And so, Lord, we know that you have the power to change, to heal, and to to alter our life for good, Lord. You're always working things together for our good. And so, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open. We'd expect you to say something to us that we can live out the rest of this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here are some key principles we learn from this passage number one God brings us out to bring us in see God brought Israel out of Egypt and brought them in to the promised land this is what God does he brings us out of our circumstances out of our situations into something better and that's certainly what took place for the Israelites. Remember, they had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They had been living in a tent for 40 years. I don't care if that's a pop out motorhome, that's too long to be camping for 40 years. And so, after, after all the tent camp and all this time, God brings them into something great. He took them out of Egypt and to bring them into the Promised Land. How many know you can't go into the Promised Land unless you're out of Egypt? You can't be in two places at the same time. And so we can't be living in our dysfunction and be stuck there if we know God wants to set us free. we got to move to a new land because God's ready to bring us out of where we're at into something better. And this is what he gave Israel. Check this out. He said, I'm going to give you a land with large, flourishing cities that you did not build. He is going to give them houses filled with all kinds of good things They did not provide for themselves. This is, they're going to get furnished apartments. I mean, it's already there, you know, the bed's there, everything's already in place. And this is the big one. God was going to give them wells they did not have to dig. The wells were already dug. Remember how hard it was to dig through that limestone, how difficult it was, how much time it took. They were already going to have wells dug for them. And then they were going to have vineyards and olive groves they did not plant for themselves. Man, they're going to be munching on grapes they didn't plant. Somebody else had done all the work. They had built these cities, built these houses, and planted this food and dug this well. And so God brings us out of certain things to bring us into something better. Now, we, we may not feel that way at times when God is doing something in our life, he's He's bringing change into our life. We don't like change. Change is not always comfortable. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, get ready. Because God makes us change. He, he loves us just what, as we are, but he, doesn't, he loves us enough not to leave us that way. And so you may be sensing the change in your life that God is bringing you out of something. And he brings us out of these things so he can bring us into something good. He brings us out of spiritual slavery and brings us into salvation. God brings us out of bondage, and he brings us into blessings. However, now we all want to be blessed. We all want the the favor and prosperity and blessings of God, but there is an inherent danger in the blessings and in the prosperity. There's a danger there. And here is the danger, satisfaction. You see, Moses said, when you guys eat all of that food and you get stuffed to the gills You know, when the food's right up to here and and you're satisfied, when you have eaten and you're satisfied, satisfaction, the word in the Hebrew means to be satiated, to be full to the brim or to be filled. And so in this context, number two, the second principle I want to share with you today is satisfaction is not the same as contentment. Now, satisfaction is not necessarily bad. It just means to be stuffed full. You got what you wanted. You're satisfied. Problem is, that doesn't last. We may be satisfied for a moment. When we get what we want, we're filled up, and then we're, we're satisfied for a, a moment. But how do you, know, you know? You get hungry again. Okay, that food doesn't last forever. And so, have you ever eaten so much that you feel like you're ready to throw up? Anybody besides me... You just can't stop yourself. Well, I've had something of the opposite happen to me as well. When I was in high school, I was in wrestling. And a junior in high school, I was cutting weight. Sometimes I'd go days without food and still work out and trying to make weight and get down. And I didn't have much weight to lose as it was, but it was just part of what the sport was about back then. They've changed now. But I remember I would dream of food. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I would think of, I'd spend my time just dreaming of food. And you know there was a day I couldn't take it anymore. I was so hungry. I hadn't eaten in a while. Open the cupboard and ta-da, there is cinnamon pop tarts. The glory. I love cinnamon pop tarts. And there they were and I thought, "Oh man, I can't eat these. You know, I'm so hungry, but I can't eat those Pop-Tarts." And finally I ripped open the bag. I mean, I just munched it down like in 2 seconds flat both both Pop-Tarts. You know, they come in a pack of 2. You got to you got to take them both. And man, I ate those Pop-Tarts and just, "Oh, and I want to tell you, for a moment I was satisfied. It was like, "Oh, that was good." And then then it hit me, "Oh my goodness, I'm going to have to lose weight." What am I going to do now? The guilt started setting in and I knew what it was going to take and what it was going to require. So I thought, you know what? I got to get rid of these Pop-Tarts. Oh, no. Yes. Oh no. Yeah. It's right. <laughs> so I thought, I got to, I got to throw them up. I've got to do something to get these Pop-Tarts out of my system because I can't do this. I'm not satisfied anymore. And so I tried, you know, the old raw egg, but you know, like Rocky he used to drink the raw eggs and that didn't work. And I tried a bunch of different means. Finally, I was able to throw up. But in my effort of eating so fast, I had not chewed very well. And I got a chunk of Pop-Tart caught in my nasal cavity. (laughs) You have not lived until you've had a cinnamon Pop-Tart in your nose that you cannot get out. I blew, I honked, I snorted, I tried everything I could to get this glorious chunk of Pop-Tart. It may still be there, I'm telling you. So it's satisfied for a moment, but then it was very unsatisfying from that point on. You see, satisfaction is getting what you want, but it doesn't last. It's not necessarily a bad thing. it just doesn't last, it's, it's temporary. But God, what he really wants to give us is not satisfaction, he wants us to have contentment. There's a big difference. Because satisfaction is only being happy when our desires are fulfilled. Contentment is being happy whether our desires are fulfilled or not. Contentment is not affected by those desires. In fact, contentment it, it, can, it is a joy whether you're full or empty. And Paul pointed out the difference between satisfaction and contentment. Philippians chapter four, verse 10, reading from the New King James. Paul says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care but lacked the opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full, satisfied, I've learned to be full, and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How many knew verse 13 by heart? We say it all the time, don't we? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We say that before we take a big test in school or, you know, before you're up to bat with the men's softball against the youth. You know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, holding the wrong end of the bat. Uh, So we've used this this scripture in a lot of different contexts. And I think that's okay. But the original context had to do with contentment. Because you know what? You can't be content without the strength of Christ. It's hard in this life. It is so difficult to find satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. Yeah, Rolling Stones. It is so difficult in this life because the moment you get something, something else out there is better. Right? Right? You buy something electronic, and then, you know, in a few moments, it's totally obsolete because there is just this push for more and more and more and more, to be full, to be full, to be full, to be satisfied, and it just doesn't last. And so what God has called us to be is content. Now, notice Paul said there are times of plenty and times of want. The NIV says he's learned the secret of being content. It's a secret that not many people know. Not many people can live there We're, and I think what we need to do is change our focus in life don 't desire to be satisfied. desire to be content there 's a big difference in how it'll affect your mood, your life, and your future and so the real key for christ 's strength is so that we can be content with whatever we have, plenty or or little, much or small doesn 't matter. We've learned this secret, because I'm telling you, there are a lot of people that have a lot of things, and they're still not happy. They have everything the world says you've got to have, and they're still not happy. I don't know if you've ever done that. You've wanted something so bad. You've wanted it, and you've desired it, and and then you got it, and it satisfies for a moment, but not forever. And the thing about contentment is that it satisfies permanently. It keeps us steady. We're able to manage life better because it doesn't matter what we have or what we don't have. It's what matters is that we have Christ, that we have the Lord in our life. And so God warned Israel to be careful. Be careful when you're full. When you're satisfied, you gotta watch out because satisfaction, satiation, and fullness can cause us to forget the blessings, and where they came from. That's the danger of of pursuing satisfaction, of trying to get everything you've ever wanted. The danger of that is even if you receive those things, you may forget where they came from. And God knew Israel was going to have this challenge. Think about it. They didn't even have to build cities. They were already built for them. They didn't have to build homes they were already set for them. They didn't even have to plant crops. They came into this, all this stuff without any work and effort on their part. And so number three, my third principle I wanna share with you today is the danger of blessing is the tendency to forget. I believe God wants to bless his children. The Bible says God gives good gifts to his children. We sing about it today. He's a good, good father. God loves giving gifts, but there is a danger for us in those gifts, especially if we didn't have to do any work for it. I got to be honest. I treated my car a lot better than my parents' car when I was a teenager. I'm just being honest. Hope dad's not in the service. Maybe. Oh, yes, he is. Hi, dad. Um, anyway, that's a secret. There's just something about, you know, if you own it, you paid for it, you treat it a little bit better. And so these people came into this incredible gift of God. But the danger of blessing, the danger of prosperity and satisfaction is the propensity not to remember all that God has done for us, where it came from. God warns the Israelites at least 10 times in the book of Deuteronomy alone to do not forget. He says, Do not forget the Lord your God. Do not forget that I brought you out of a land of slavery. Do not forget the miracles I performed in the wilderness. 10 times he says, Do not forget. Because you know what? He knew we would forget. And you know what? They did. And it didn't take very long for them to forget. Here they were in the promised land. Had waited 40 years to, to enter. And, while, and, and within one generation they forgot God. Look at Judges chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Joshua is the one that conquered the promised land. And after Joshua sent the people away, each of the tribes left to take possession of the land allotted to them. And the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him. Those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Now drop down to verse 10. After that generation died, Joshua's generation, after they died... Another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. They forgot. One generation and all was forgotten. All the miracles, the parting of the Red Sea, the ten plagues, the water from the rock, the manna that they lived on for 40 years, all of that was forgotten, all the good things God had done because when, you got a, when you're handed something on a silver platter, you don't appreciate it as much. And so I I believe God wants to bless us, but sometimes he understands that these blessings will not be beneficial for us because we will forget. And here's what that generation failed to realize. Number four, every good gift is given by God. Every good gift. Any good in your life, whether it's your job, whether it's your possessions, whether it's your marriage, anything good in your life came from God. Every good and every gift comes from the Lord. Look at James chapter one, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good thing in our lives comes from God. Do we give him enough credit for that? Do we praise him every day? God, I wanna thank you for the good in my life. We spend a lot of times talking about the bad in our life, don't we? And it's okay to bring those things to the Lord. But we've got to change the balance here. We dwell on the negative and and the things that have gone wrong when we need to look at all the good God has done in our life. You'll, You'll find what you're looking for. If you're looking for bad, you'll find it. If you're looking for good, you'll find it. The source of every blessing, all our prosperity and each victory and any success that you have in life, on your job, at school, wherever it may be, any success that you have, came from the Lord, but unfortunately over time, we tend to forget that instead of giving God the credit, we begin to believe that we deserve some of the credit. I mean, after a while, you know, it's like, okay, I've got this down. Thanks God. I appreciated your help, but I got it from here. And we begin to think that, you know, we're doing this. These things are happening because of our great skill and our great knowledge. And if we're not careful, we begin to pat ourselves on the back and start thinking we have earned the blessings. See, the the thing about the blessings is you can't earn them. They're from God's grace. But we start believing that we did. We deserve them. That we have what it takes. And God knew this human tendency that we would always begin to take credit for what God has done. This is just a human tendency. And so he warned the Israelites about this. Look at Deuteronomy eight seventeen. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. God gives you the ability to produce wealth God gives you the ability to be successful on your job in your relationships in your school God gives you the ability every skill every ability and talent are given by God now we may accomplish great things but that ability came from a great God rarely does God call great people to do great things he calls not so great people to do great things the Bible says he chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He chose the weak to overcome the strong. Why? Because then God gets the credit. He deserves the credit. And so God takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things through them. And they, they can't boast because it came from God. But the temptation is we begin to feel pretty good about ourselves. Hey, I've done pretty good. And I think of all these great athletes who boast in themselves. There was a day when athletes were more humble. Does anybody remember that? I don't know if it was Muhammad Ali that changed all that. I'm the greatest of all time. You know, I don't know about him and Howard Cosell going back and forth. I remember those days. So something changed. And so now the, many of the athletes, they're, they're pretty proud of themselves. And they are amazing. They accomplish amazing feats. But how many know that that athletic talent came from God? It was God-given talent, and God deserves the glory. And if we don't humble ourselves, we will be humbled. I, I know that from personal experience. Thus, the props. Here we go. Now, when Jolene and I first started dating, I took her on a very romantic date. We went to play tennis. The dorm where she lived, there was a tennis court behind the dorm, and we found a couple rackets and some old tennis balls that kind of lost their zing and so we were just kind of batting the ball back and forth you know and I thought you know what I'm gonna impress her she's gonna want to marry me after this so she bopped the ball over and I was gonna slam it you know like they do on tv just slam it And so that ball came up and I slammed that ball and then we couldn't find it I mean it was like I hit it so hard it must have gone over the fence into space and And I'm looking for the ball wherever it went and all of a sudden she starts busting up laughing, doubles over laughing. And she's pointing to me and I'm like, what, what? And then I realized the ball had got stuck right here. I'm holding my racket. Where's the ball? I can't find the ball. And she's laughing. This is called the throat of the racket, by the way. I looked it up just so you know. It was stuck in its throat. Needless to say... We never played tennis again. <laughs> Evidently, God has not gifted me with a talent for tennis. But all ability, talent, whether athletic, academic, or otherwise, was given to us by God. We need to acknowledge this. Any success you've had in life, give God the glory. Any, any blessing. You have a savings account, give God the glory. You, know, you own a car, give God the glory. You got a promotion? Give God the glory because it came from him. Now, he's going to use us. God always works through people, but we need to remember where the talent came from. It came from God. Conversely, if we feel we're lacking in ability or skill, we can go to God and ask him to help us. See, some people think they've done all the work, and then other people think they're worthless but there's nothing they can do. They don't have the talent. They don't have the skill. And so sometimes we beat ourselves up and we feel intimidated and we feel overwhelmed and maybe we're we're put in a job we don't know how to do. That's exactly what happened to me. You see, I had no oil experience whatsoever when I went into the oil industry. And I'm working with people that have decades of experience The the people that worked for me, my own employees knew twice as much as I did about the oil industry. And so there were times I thought, I am going to fail. There's no way I can survive this. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the skill. I don't have the experience. What is a preacher doing in North Dakota trying to sell pipe valves and fittings for the oil industry? What was I thinking? And I mean, I was discouraged. I thought, I'm going to lose my job. I am going to fail I'm going to lose everything because I just, just didn't have the experience. And there were times I just didn't know what to do. Have you ever felt like that? It's, you're in over your head. I was in way over my head. And in my daily devotions, I came across this scripture. I kid you not. I'm telling you, this is why you got to read your Bible every day. Because that's the main way God will speak to you is through his word Through your daily devotions, read a chapter, read a few verses. Just read something every day. Have time with God, because so often God speaks to me at the time I need it the most. And if I wasn't in the Word, I wouldn't have gotten this encouragement. But I was in the Word daily, and 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 as I was studying and going through these feelings of insecurity, feeling like a failure that I was never going to make it because I didn't have the experience, the skill, or the talent, I saw this scripture. Verse 30, Exodus 35, 30. Constructing the temple would require incredible skill. So look what God did. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. And he has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and and knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for the work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic craftsmanship. And he has given both him and that dude, son of that dude, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. It's one thing to be able to do it yourself, but it's a special gift if you can teach others to do what you're doing. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as craftsmen, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen and weavers, all of them master craftsmen and designers. I'm telling you, God took these guys, filled them with the Spirit of God, and it gave them skill and talent they did not have before. And so when I read this, I said, God, that's for me right now. You know I don't have the skill, I don't have the experience, I don't have the talent, but I believe the same spirit is, is in me that is in the Lord. And that you can give me this skill and you can give me this talent. I'm telling you what, it worked. I began to trust in God. And of course, you still have to apply yourself. You have to study. You have to work at it. God meets us as we're moving forward. But in the midst of that, God granted me favor. There were times I would walk out of an office thinking, wow, that had to be God. That was a miracle. There's no way that I had the skill or the ability to bring this to pass. And God showed great favor because I said, Lord, I can't do this. Fill me with your spirit. So I want to hear. I want you to understand today, if you don't feel like you have it, you may not have it, but God does. And God will give you what you need when you need it. And if you need more ability, you need more knowledge, then seek the Lord and be filled with the Spirit, and you will have what you need to succeed in whatever endeavor God has called you to. Ask Him, God, just like those dudes we can't pronounce, if you can fill them with skill and knowledge, you can fill me with skill and knowledge. Help me do my job, help me succeed in my education, help me have healthy relationships, Lord. I need skill. Listen, guys. If you're married, you need help. I'm telling you right now, you need help. We're boneheads, man, we don't have a clue. I read a meme that women are thinking about their men more than the men are thinking about themselves. They don't even think, we don't, you know. We, and you can tell by what I'm trying to say, there's <laughs> not much going on upstairs. And so if you want to be a successful husband, you need help, dude. You cannot do it on your own. You ain't got it. I'm sorry. You may think you had it, but you never did. She just put up with it for a time. And so you got to get help. You need help bad. Don't come to me, man. I'm with you. We go to God and we say, fill me with your spirit. Help me be a good husband, a good father. Because I I ain't got it on my own. Notice it was the filling of the Holy Spirit that enabled them with skill. Not only human talent, but God gives spiritual gifts as well. He gives human talent, but he gives spiritual gifts. Look at 1 Corinthians 12.4 in the New Living Translation. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts But the same Spirit is the source of them all. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts, verse 11. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So every believer in Jesus Christ has the Spirit. And you have gifts from the Spirit. And they're not just the gifts of prophecy and words of knowledge. Those are gifts too. There's nine gifts mentioned in this passage, but they're mentioned elsewhere as well. Gifts of administration, gifts of help, gifts of leadership, gifts of giving, gifts of encouragement. Man, I love people that have the gift of encouragement. I like hanging around those people when they use their gift on me. And so there's a lot of spiritual gifts. Every one of you has has a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have spiritual gifts. Are you using them for the kingdom? Are you using them for God's glory? Because every believer in Jesus Christ should be serving in some kind of ministry. You never retire from the call of God. Whatever it may be, it it may be a greeter, it may be an usher, it may be security, it may be teaching seventh grade boys, oh God help us, because I was one of those seventh grade boys. But you have gifts. And you know what the Bible says? You can ask. You can ask for gifts. Now the, the Holy Spirit makes the final call, but you can ask for those gifts. And not only does God give gifts and talents, he never takes them back. Is that amazing? You know, if we get off track, if we stumble and fall and we take a detour that God didn't have for us and we come back to him, you know what? He doesn't say, okay, give me your gifts, that's it. I'm taking those from you. No, when God gives a gift, he never takes it back. So I want you to understand, no matter what you've done or where you've been, the call of God is still on your life. And we see this from the life of Moses. He was 40 years old and he thought, dude, I am ready to rock. And he killed an Egyptian and had to run for his life. And he spent 40 years in the wilderness feeling like an absolute failure, that his life was over. He was, he was not, he could never fulfill his call. He could never have those gifts and talents again. And yet God showed up in a burning bush and said, buddy, get ready. It's time. I haven't taken away your calling. I haven't taken away your gifts. You got, you got a little ahead of me. You went early. But look at what Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says in the Amplified Bible. For God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He never withdraws them when once they are given. And he does not change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. Wow. God does not change his mind. He does not take back any gifts. He does not take back your calling. It's still there. Reach out to him. Ask him, God, restore me to the place you have for me. God, return me to where I belong. Lord, stir up the gifts in me. Help me have the skill and the knowledge and the talent to do what you called me to do. Because when God gives a gift, he never takes it back, even if we haven't been good stewards and when the Lord gives us a calling, he does not change his mind, even if we've gotten off track. Because God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Would you bow your head with me today? Close your eyes. I'd like to ask if there's anyone here you you want to say, Pastor, I've been off track. I'm not where I belong. Or maybe you've never given your life to Christ and you're ready to today, because I'm telling you what. You give your life to God and he will bless you. He will strengthen you. He will encourage you. He will forgive you. He's a good, good father. And so if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ but you want to or, or maybe you've been off track but you're ready to get back on track, would you just slip up your hand? I want to pray for you today. Anyone in this place? Yes. 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 Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. Thank you for having the courage and the faith to raise your hand. Now I wanna pray with you. And if you're watching online and you are at that place too where you're ready to give your life to God, to come back home, I just ask you to repeat these words after me. And so if you're already a believer in Christ, would you join with them so they know they're not alone as we pray this prayer. If you wanna be right with God, You wanna get back on track to where you belong? Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead. Dear Jesus, I receive. I receive you into my life. I receive the Holy Spirit into my heart. And I receive eternal life that you have given me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, please take that Next Steps card. There's a box to check that I prayed to become a Christian. And if you could fill out that information and just drop it in the boxes on your way out, we wanna follow up with you. We wanna help you on your journey. And if you're watching online and you prayed that prayer, just uh, reach out to us and text our number and we'll reach out to you again as well. Would you stand with me as I speak the blessing over you? This is a blessing. Remember, it's dangerous. Came from God, not us, right? The Lord bless you, keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you give you peace. You're free to go or you can stay in worship or come to the altars.
0: Thank you for tuning in today. We are so excited that you joined us. If you chose to say yes to Christ today, we would love for you to text the word born again, all one word to 94090. By doing so, you will receive more information on your next steps in following Christ. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 11 a.m. right here in Bakersfield, California, at 4901 California Avenue. We would love for you to join us in person. Also, we have a live stream service at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. If you'd like more information about Bakersfield First Assembly of God, you can search us on the internet at bakersfieldfirst.com. Thank you for joining us today and have a blessed week.